It's Tuesday, June 5th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services. I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we are joined by Josh Caldwell, our international director, as well as Beth Perez, who is our Latin America program director. And so we are just very excited to be able to talk to both of them today about a recent trip that Beth and her team were able to take to Costa Rica and to really just give an update first and foremost on the adoption process in Costa Rica. So Costa Rica is one of those countries where our accreditation is kind of interesting in that they called us and asked us if we would come and uh, start working with adoption in Costa Rica. And throughout the years, we have seen that really grow and that partnership grow into now we're doing a lot more orphan care related work. So just starting off, uh, Beth, give us kind of uh, an update on what's going on with adoption in Costa Rica. Absolutely. Thanks, Herbie. Um, We are actually the only licensed U.S. agency to do uh, adoptions from Costa Rica. So that leaves us into a position where we are really excited in growing our relationships with Pawnee. There are other countries that work with Costa Rica, but um, we tend to focus on the children that have special characteristics. So that means older children, uh, sibling groups, or children with medical special needs. And over the course of the last year, we have been able to partner with Pawnee to create a medical special needs adoption program because it actually didn't exist up until this last year when um, we just basically began collaborating with them. So one exciting element that we're seeing is that there are um, children with medical special needs being processed for abandonment to be adopted internationally. And that's just really sweet because we know that there's children potentially with blindness or deafness or um, Down syndrome and Williams syndrome and even more minor medical special needs that would just thrive in a family and could receive the services that they need in a family. So we're really excited about that. And um, many of our families over the last six years have been adopting children that are in sibling groups of two, three, four, five children with or without pre-identified medical needs and varying ages and um, older children, children about seven and older with or without pre-identified medical needs as well. So um, it's been a very consistent program, a very stable program. We have, uh, Pani is very intentional about counseling the children before the adoption process, um, helping families, support families in country, and they're very relational. So we've just really been able to see how the Lord's worked through this program um, that honestly, like you said, we didn't know much about at the beginning, but it's turned to be one of our like hidden jewels of adoption programs. And so we just are really excited. It takes usually about one to two years to go through the adoption process. And um, this last trip, we were able to focus on, um, we had a special meeting with Pawnee. And it was really cool because we were able to talk about what are ways that we could improve our working relationship to make it smoother for families and also um, just better advocate for the kids. And one thing, two things we walked away with was one, a more flexible in-country stay, which is incredible because normally it's about five weeks in-country and both parents are required to be there. 
Um, but now they're going to let one spouse leave halfway through the process so around week two or three. If one spouse needs to return to work, that creates some flexibility, which is really exciting. Um, and then number two, the major thing we walked away with is like we were just talking about the medical special needs program. Um, there are many children who don't have families waiting for them. So that means they might be older sibling groups or have a medical special need. And um, just with it being a smaller country and having less resources, it's hard for them to update the files uh, for, for us to be able to advocate. And so they've invited Lifeline to come take a trip sometime this year. We're working out the dates now, but they've invited us to come and meet the children in Costa Rica. So that way we can get to know them, even potentially bring a medical team to help evaluate them, update their files, and then turn around and advocate for their future families. So this was a really big blessing from the Lord. Yeah, and I know we've had several families, like you said, Beth, come home from Costa Rica and talk about how the transition has been for these families, knowing that these are older and sibling groups. What are some of the things that you would say if someone's thinking about Costa Rica, what are some things that they need to prepare their family for as they're bringing home older and uh, potentially special needs children? Absolutely. Um, we tend to really thrive in those departments in our Latin America programs, especially in Costa Rica. Um, we've had families come home with children uh, that were older, like you said, maybe seven and older, all the way to 14 years old, um, individual children. And then we've had sibling groups that vary two years old, all the way to 17 years old within the sibling group dynamics of two, three, even up to five children. So, I think that could seem a little daunting to families just thinking and praying about it. Um, however, we've just seen where the Lord's been really sweet in the details. I think that because Pawnee does a great job of counseling the children ahead of time and really does try to advocate for sibling groups to stay together, they look at the family's personalities and their dossiers when they're applying, they look at the children's personalities, they really seek to make this as, as successful as possible. So, I think in some ways there's a little bit of like a proactive preemptive um, process, a lot of thought, a lot of energy that goes into this with the matching. And then once the families are in country together, I love the in-country stay. I know it's hard, but it's for some people's schedules, but I love the in-country stay. I mean, first of all, Costa Rica is gorgeous, um, beautiful country. And then second of all, it really gives the families a, a capacity to get to know the child's culture, where did they come from, get to know the language better, um, really just able to, to help make memories in that child's country, birth country, because that child's about to leave everything they know. And when you have an older child or siblings, a lot of time that culture is already and that language is so embedded in their hearts and personalities, we we see where they come home, you know, they have to transition, they have to learn, there's family dynamics, family rules. They have to go to school more, you know, they have to, um, it's not always a vacation in that sense. But what we see is that when families are just able to get to know that child's culture and understand that's so deeply part of who they are, there's ways that families can really make this process smooth in the adjustment. And I love that a lot of our families, they either already spoke Spanish or during the process, they enrolled in classes to learn Spanish, which is amazing because it helps the transition, it helps the language, but it also just honors the child. Like it honors that they're leaving and grieving, you know, those things that they've left and known their whole lives. 
and they're making a sacrifice to come be part of the family. And it, I think it just kind of honors that. And where we've seen families do that, it's just been a little bit smoother of just with the communication process. And I think the child feeling like um, being able to celebrate now that they're a Costa Rican American family. And just with older children, sometimes in the beginning, it looks a little bit more like a mentor role, like you're kind of helping the child learn to adjust, you're kind of helping them learn to make good choices, how to excel in school, but you're also the parent. And so you're teaching them, you know, what does a family look like? And so that takes a little bit of time, but we've really seen successful adoptions and we're super grateful for that. Yeah. And Josh, I know that you get to talk to lots of different families and you uh, get to lead the roadmap for adoption on the third Thursday, which I know is a, a big deal that you love to do to be able to speak to families and uh, we like to joke around that you've never met a mic that you didn't love. And so, uh, but what, tell us as the international director that gets to oversee all of these programs, what's some of the things that set Costa Rica apart, really our Latin American programs in general apart, that as you're talking to families, you, you would encourage them. What, what are the families' makeups that you would really encourage towards a program like Costa Rica or one of our Latin American programs? Yeah. That's a great question, Herbie. I appreciate that um, opportunity to talk about this, that we we love to see families enter our Latin America programs. I think the things, a couple of things that stand out to me the most in our Latin America programs are the people um, and our team. And I think um, each, the people in the countries that we work with and just the cultures are very loving cultures. They're very enriching. They're fun. They're um, cultures that are um, beautiful people, beautiful countries. Um, Costa Rica is a treasure. Um, Costa Rica is a country that uh, we, as you heard Beth just talk about, that we we want to see grow and want to partner in. But all of our Latin America uh, programs in countries are are really special to us. We've um, we've had programs in Latin America for many many years, and our roots kind of grow deep into Latin America, um, and so that's something that's really special. We like to talk to families about that. But then our team, our teams in and what that means is that we have a team here in the U.S., which we are very thankful for. Um, we have part of our team, which is Beth, who is in Colombia. And then we have another part of our team, which is in Costa Rica. And so we have several team members that, um, that, that are all that speak Spanish and English or bilingual, some that are Spanish speakers only that are in these countries and some that are working with families and working with courts and um, the whole process working with the government. And I think that really sets us apart as, as our team there. And so I really encourage families to join up in Latin America because there are children in need uh, of a, of a family and there are uh, a great team in place that can see those, um, those children come to be a part of a, a great Christian loving family. And so we want to encourage families to consider Latin America, to consider Costa Rica, uh, to consider older children, um, to consider that we will equip you to be a part of these programs and that we want to see more and more of these children with a special need or a medical condition or an older or a sibling group of children. We want to see them come into uh, Christian homes and we want to see more families that would step up to do that. I know one of the things that we started off with and we're so excited about is that now we have the opportunity, like we said from the offset, to do more than just adoption. So while adoption is beautiful and certainly we want to see these kids come home through adoption and it's such a blessing when they do get to come home through adoption, we're also seeing doors open up to be able to invest in 
care of Costa Rican citizens caring for Costa Rican children and specifically through coming alongside training foster families. And I know that that's a, a big heart. And so before we even get to the details of that from Beth and kind of what that's looking like, talk about that heart both to get engaged with indigenous folks in, in these countries, Josh, but also in equipping our families to give back by going and helping the Christian. That's great. And, you know, that is really our heart is that we talk about missional families. We want to see missional Christian families, families that are thinking about the mission of God going forth to the nations. And Costa Rica is a great example of what that looks like. The families that adopt from Costa Rica and then turn around and not only bring a child into their home to love on that child, but to give back to the country in which their child is from. I have two children. Herbie, as you know, and Beth, as you know, that are adopted internationally. And in both of those cases, um, we fell in love with the countries where our children are from, and we want to pour back into them. And I know that is the case for children, for families that adopt from Latin America. They fall in love with those places that they are adopting from. Not only that they're beautiful and they're fun places to go and their, their culture is rich, but because their child is from that place, they want to pour back into it. But how is, and what is the best way to do that? And through Lifeline, we have the opportunity uh, to partner with our unadopted ministry, which is our orphan care arm our, our strategic orphan care arm of our ministry and really focused on the gospel, focused on the community and focused on equipping. And the equipping arm is something that we are really excited about. And Beth had just had the opportunity to go to Costa Rica and see this flesh out um, in Costa Rica. And she's going to be able to share with us about those details. But the, the, the big picture is that we want to equip believers and we want to equip uh, orphanage directors. And we want to equip governments and we want families to be a part of that. Families can go back on trips after they've come home. Families can give financially because we have a need financially to be a part of these things through giving. Um, and uh, we want to train more caregivers so that the care of children in orphanages is increased, so that the care in foster homes is increased and doing a great job of looking at the child's best interest in these countries. So yes, families we want families to be missional, we want families to give back, and we want families to pray about what that practically looks like in their family to, to be involved in the country long term. So Beth, I know you and Whitney got to travel to Costa Rica recently yeah. and to do some of these trainings. Talk about what you were able to do and what the opportunities look like in Costa Rica. Yes, so we were very grateful for the opportunity. Last year, um, on one of our previous trips, we'd begun discussions with Pawnee about how can we get involved with unadopted. We're already growing in adoption, but we see all these ways that we felt like we could partner and also utilize the local church to partner um, to best support uh, the needs of the, the government at that time. And so they began opening doors, but I think we we're just a little bit cautious because they didn't know what that looked like. And so they told us that we could pilot a caregiver training. And um, as Josh was saying, it's one of our really fun parts about our unadopted program. And uh, Whitney actually helped craft our caregiver training. Uh, she's an, uh, one of our incredible counselors. And so it was really fun to go with her because she knows it so well. And what happened is Pani said, why don't you guys pilot it? Let us select an audience of 30, which ended up being about 35 actually, um, caregivers. And when we arrived, what we found out is they weren't just caregivers, but they were also some of the orphanage directors. And they represented about six to seven different orphanages throughout the country. 
And so we had a very diverse group, which was really fun. So um, what we did is we piloted our caregiver training. We had a two-day session where we just got to introduce, like, why is their role so valuable as caregivers, as orphanage directors, as the, we call them tias in Latin America, but, like, it means aunt in English, but it's, like, their nannies are called tias. And why are their, why is their role so valuable? Why did God put them there? Why does Christ, um, how can Christ work through them? And um, what do the kids come from? What is trauma? Just really trying to sit down and educate and equip them to have just an understanding and some education about where did the kids come from? Um, what is going on in their hearts and minds in these transitions? Why do they need to be in permanent families? Um, and how can they help assist in those transitions? And so it was really fun. It was um, a very interactive group. They had lots of questions, lots of stories. They were amazing. And so it was really fun. And then Pani was present to the central authority, um, basically to evaluate us in our training. And by the end of it, they just came up and I said, okay, so what are our next steps? Like, how can we do this in the future? Do we need to go through some evaluation rounds. And they said, no, this has been so amazing. All the reviews are amazing. We're ready for you to come back as soon as you can. Like you just tell us when you want to come back and how you want to do this and we're ready. And so what's really sweet is I think the Lord just opened that door for us to be able to minister to these caregivers, equip them, educate them and give them the gospel. This training is very gospel centered and just give them strategies and how to work with the kids. And how cool is it that they could be implementing the strategies? They could begin, sometimes these are the first healthy adults these children ever meet. And so how could they be laying the foundation so that our adoptive families coming in later um, are just building on it? And they're not, they're not starting from scratch, but they're building on that. And the children begin to experience love um, and they get to experience Christ before the families even arrive. So and then as they're parenting, they're, they're utilizing the same strategies. So healthy adults are all communicating the same thing of safety to these children. And so it was just an unbelievable experience. And we're so excited. And another cool part of it um, is that we were able to meet with some of the local churches there. And some of their first questions, I mean, some of them are already engaged in foster care. These are local Costa Ricans already fostering or adopting children. And so it's super cool to see these believers moving forward in faith. And but there's not much equipping. There's not much education for them. Um, so they've just asked, how could we come alongside them and prepare their churches and their congregation? So we're just really excited about what may be happening in the next couple months. So talk about how folks can get engaged with what's going yes. on in Costa Rica now, Beth. Awesome. Um, I think obviously the first way is we, we would love families to consider adoption. There, there are several, several children, um, probably in about a couple hundred children already waiting for adoption families. And so I think that's one way, but we also understand um, that may not be the way that everyone can get engaged. What we're hoping to do is to craft in some unadopted mission trips to help lead in the caregiver trainings, to help work with the local churches, even a medical team to help go evaluate the waiting kiddos. So if somebody has a special talent or is interested in going on a mission trip, there's so many ways that we're going to be looking at opening these doors um, to get people engaged, to get them there, meeting the children, meeting the caregivers, and using these as opportunities to minister. Um, now, also, I think another way could be to give. Um, 
we have adoption families, adoption can be hard because there's a lot of steps. And so sometimes families who can't adopt or who have already adopted or just are engaged give scholarships to adoption families um, or scholarships to people attending mission trips or help giving even um, financial uh, stewardships to our program to help develop these trainings. And so I think giving is a great way, but ultimately I think it, it would be amazing for people to be praying. Um, I think the Lord obviously the Lord knows these children and the Lord knows the caregivers and the government, but just really able to join in. And what is the Lord doing? What is the local church doing and praying and um, just partnering with them in the gospel and praying that the Lord brings these um, more opportunities so that we can share the gospel and disciple and minister the caregivers and um, introduce. I just, I am so excited to see what the Lord's doing. And so just praying um, how can we engage with the local church? How can we minister? And Herbie, you always say this. How can we be the bridesmaid to the bride? And the bride being the local church in Costa Rica. So how can we come alongside them and support them and minister to them? And that the Lord would bring more adoption families too. So there's a lot of ways to be praying, but I think those would be the the top ways I'd, I'd really appreciate. And I know that even as we talk about all, all of these opportunities, certainly the Lord has gone before us in both opening up the avenues for adoption as well as now opening up these avenues to be able to partner with the the central authority and to be able to partner with the government and child welfare authorities, but also to be able to, to partner in such a strategic way with the bride of Christ. But he has also blessed us abundantly with a great team on the ground uh, in Costa Rica. And so Beth, I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about Yolanda and her team on the ground. So talk about the of having such a, a, a stellar team that loves the Lord, but also is is called to the same mission that's helping us on the ground in Costa Rica? Uh, Yolanda and Rebecca are everything. Um, it's just, it's so, there's just no words that to be able to partner with a local believer like Yolanda and her daughter, Rebecca, they, they make up our, our adoption team. And now they're even moving into coordinating a lot of our unadopted stuff on the ground. Um, when you have the same vision, you have the same mission, uh, your heart is to find Christian families for these kids. Your heart is to empower the local church to get involved in orphan care and to, you know, to minister to the fatherless. It, it's just so different because we're able to have the same language, even though there's language barriers, you know, um, and we have different cultures. What's beautiful is when we're, we're in the gospel and we're, we're in the body of Christ together, it's almost like, I mean, it is that that culture supersedes our, our differences um, of our, our geographical cultures. And so it's so cool is to be able to say, hey, you know, we obviously are going to do ethical adoptions. We obviously are going to honor the Lord in all we do. And to have a team member that says, absolutely, I get it. And or even on the side of when we're advocating for families and, and we're encouraging the government to maybe be open to bigger families, you know, different things that are not normal for their cultures to have Yolanda understand that the Lord has called these families to adopt the children. He's called them um, to move forward and to be able to understand that and advocate for families is incredible. And honestly, Yolanda is, we, we joke, we call her the president of Costa Rica. Um, El Pres La Presidente is what we call her because she genuinely doesn't meet a person that doesn't love her. 
and respect her. We walk into Pani and we were in our meeting and the, the director of adoptions, basically Yolanda said, hey, let's do something this way. And he said, well, if Yolanda says we're doing it that way, you know, we're gonna do it Yolanda's way because we trust her. So like even to hear how well respected she is, how um, they know that she's ethical, she honors the Lord, that she, she serves, she volunteers, and she loves the children. To, to be able to see her interact with our kids, there's just, they call her abuela, even years after their home, which is grandmother. They, they call her abuela. She comes to the States to come visit the kids. She's, this is her life passion and her life calling. And so to be able to work with her and Rebecca, who also has that life passion and calling, um, helps our team just be able to go deeper and deeper and deeper and it to be more of a family rather than a working relationship. Yeah. Well, I know we are encouraged by Rebecca and by Yolanda and the things that they're doing, but most importantly about how the way that we continue to see the Lord be the father to the fatherless and the way he leads organizations and ministries like Lifeline as he organizes the church to be ready to answer up the call. And so I would just encourage all of you, first and foremost, like like Beth has said, to pray for the children of Costa Rica, to pray for churches in Costa Rica who are getting behind and standing up for the orphans and the fatherless. And then also to, to if the Lord would to prick your heart to get engaged either on the adoption side or the orphan care side, to know that Costa Rica is not just a beautiful country that's more stable than others in Latin America that's a good one to visit, but it is a country that desperately needs the prayers of the saints, but also the help of the saints on behalf of the, the kids that are there that are, are desperately in need. And so let's, let's pray that the Lord would raise up his bride in so many different ways to wrap around these children and to wrap around this government and the government leaders and the orphanage directors to even show them the love of Christ and to show them what the gospel does in us. We have been saved. We have been, we have been given so much by the gospel and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that it compels us to get engaged and to defend the fatherless. So we thank Josh and Beth for joining us. We're grateful for Beth and Whitney to have the opportunity to travel to Costa Rica and this opportunity for them to be able to defend the fathers, to be able to, to do these trainings and to partner along with the local church helps us by your giving and your generosity. And so by, by people funding the Ministry of Lifeline, we're able to send our team on these trips to be able to equip the church and to equip believers around the world and to continue to offer these awesome opportunities for believers to get engaged through adoption. So thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of the child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.